it's um, normal practice for this church, particularly if I'm speaking, we go through a book of the Bible. And um, let me just say from the very beginning that we believe, we are a Bible-believing church. And that might be strange for some people, um, that actually we believe the, the Bible is the written word of God, it's his revelation, it's not all of him, he's a lot bigger than his own word in that sense, but it's enough of information in the word of God for us to find him and for us to have a relationship with God. I thought Bev spoke great. And what a relief to the church that she's off drugs. Did, did anyone else get that? <laughs> I've known that for a few weeks now. <laughs> Ooh. And maybe there are some in the room that need to come off drugs as well. And that's okay. Let me just clarify something. That Bev's change, and you know, I've known her ever since she came here, Bev's change isn't down to Bev. Bev will be the first one to say that actually she's not that strong-willed and she can stu- between me and you, she's, she's stubborn, right? But strong-willed, not necessarily in that area. But it's the power of God dwelling within her that has given Bev the ability, the determination to overcome the addictions and um, other areas in her life. Has she always had it easy for those of us who journeyed with her? Not at all. Has she always got it right? <laughs> Did I used to have hair when I met her? You can choose that for yourself. But that power is available to us all in the room. And it begins by us being reconciled to God. And I've got a couple of scriptures just to show you before we go into our our main passage. We're going through the book of Colossians. And I'll explain a little bit about that. But it, it, it all fits together so wonderfully that I thought I'd just show a couple of other passages where this word reconciliation comes up in the writer's other letters. So I think the first one's in Romans. It'll come up on the board and we'll just read it. Romans chapter 5. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Let's just clarify this. Do you know today God loves you? And that in itself is a wonderful discovery. I remember a long time ago when I discovered that. None of us in the room are born with that awareness. But actually, it's not dependent on you. It's not dependent on you getting it all right all the time. It's not dependent whether you've been a good boy or bad girl or whatever. It's the fact that God, even before he created the world, chose to love you. That should blow your socks off. It blows mine off. And it gets better. That's just the intro. God demonstrates his own love. My wife's not here today. Those of you who know this, inside my wedding ring, 
it says these words, loving action. It's absolutely pointless me saying to Kay, I love you, babe, which I do, by the way. I have to demonstrate it. It means more than words. Love is an action verb. If I say I love someone, like my wife, then my behaviour towards her is clearly visible. You should be nodding now. There you go. That's it. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Sinners, there's an old, old word, isn't it? I mean, what's a sinner? Someone who's naughty. Yes, it's true. But naughty by whose standard, you see? You see, I, I wasn't a bad person. I never ripped anyone off. I never... Whatever. I didn't. (laughs) All right. I never got caught. All right, yeah. I never committed adultery or any of those things. But I still discovered I was sinful. You see, when I compare myself to other people, I might be better than some of you. I might be worse than some of you. But that's not what he's asking us to do. He's asking us to compare ourselves to him. And of course, when we do that, we all miss the mark. Every single person is therefore a sinner. Did that stop him loving us? No. Did it surprise him? No. Christ died for us. Really? Why? Well, we've just done the communion. And he had to die to bring us to him, to pay For the penalty of our sin, our wrongdoing, our falling short of his mark. And let's be fair, this is an exam that requires 100%. If you don't need this, actually I'll see you at the end because you're God, if you get my meaning. We all needed saving, every single one of us. That's how he saved us, we'll be seeing that. Now, on to verse 9. Since we have now been justified, and the easy way of remembering what justification is, just as though I've never sinned, in other words, because of him dying for us, I have this opportunity to be seen as though I've never made a mistake, that I've never missed his mark, past, present, and future. Since we've now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Ooh, that's a scary thought. God's wrath. Well, holy God has to punish sin. As he's not holy God. So understand that. Holiness cannot handle sin in the sense that there must be a punishment for, for sin. And that's what the, the cross is all about. His wrath was put onto his son. It's no good him putting it on you and I because we would be dying for our own sins. I can't die for your sins. But someone who's never sinned can die for your sins. We'll move on. For if we were God's enemies, if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Well, 
I, w- I almost wish this was the passage that I was preaching from. I want you to, to hold in your mind that word reconciled. All the way through God's word, the reconciliation, the bringing together two estranged parties, it is always God doing the reconciling. There is not one passage that shows a person ever wanted to be reconciled to God. It's all his work. It's all a work of grace undeserved towards us, but it's all his initiative. He is seeking out people to reconcile to himself. Today, once again, you can tell your face to smile. This is really good. Gospel means good news. It's not that actually Jesus is, is the only way to be reconciled to God or the death of Jesus on the cross. It's actually that there is a way. That there's a way to be reconciled to God. That should have you jumping up and down. Honestly, I, I'm going to come around and throttle some of you in a minute. You'll be meeting Jesus by the end of the sermon if you don't sparkle up a bit. Come on. This is exciting. I'm not picking on anyone. I'm just telling you what the word of God says. He made a way for us to be reconciled. Look, and he goes over and over and over again. Not only is this so, but we will also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Can I pick on you, Vicky? Is that, well, look, I was with you uh, on Friday. Was it Friday? Oh, well, there we are then. We've all got a cross to bear. (laughs) Probably not. I was talking to Vicky when we were travelling back from Chesterfield. And I said to her, what makes a Christian? Yeah? And she started to tell me. And she never shuts up. Anyone else thought, found that? She just like, chat, 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 chat. It's great, isn't it? Because what she does, or what what she's experienced is the joy of discovering that she used to be an enemy of God. Now she's in love with God. Not that she deserved it, not that she's done anything like that, that her past has gone and the new has come. On Tuesday night at the prayer meeting here, I gave you the passage, didn't I? And I've, I'm going to look at it in a minute. No, no, I'm going to put it on the, on the, on the board. Because, I, because actually... 2 Corinthians 5.17 The old is gone, the new has come. She's a new person. And that is available from God for all of us. And I said to her, you know it, tell me about it. And I love it to be around new people who have discovered this. Because they're trying to get something out from within them, but they don't know the words to tell. Isn't it great fun? And I'm a bit of a tease. But one day she'll stand... I know you've been reconciled, yeah? Isn't it great? Isn't it it, absolutely brilliant? And do you know what? Can we never lose that? I said at the prayer meeting, we should celebrate that God is at work calling people to himself. We don't all have to be like Vicky, but we should all be smiling and and giving out and putting how many weight on? (laughs) We might need to work on that later. Next scripture, Graham, please. Here we go. 2 Corinthians 5.17 
Therefore, if anyone, and you can fill your own name in there, you see, anyone is anyone. Anyone. If Vicky is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Fill your name in there. If Bev is in Christ, the new creation has come, do you know what? I'll stop taking drugs. I'll stop slashing my arms. I'll stop being hiding in my house. I'll be a new creation. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Gave us the ministry of reconciliation? Yes, that's the Apostle Paul 2,000 years ago. Let me tell you, it's your ministry. Yours is the privilege of telling people this Jesus died for you while you're a sinner and he wants a relationship as an individual with you. Not to change you. Not to change you as, as, as in... That's the wrong word. Let me backtrack. He will change you. But he doesn't want to lose who you are. You're still Vicky. You're still Bev. You're still Claire, Catherine or whatever. Reconciled. Just move it on a little bit. Thank you, Graham. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not, look at that, not counting people's sins against them. Wow. That is a forgiving God. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Let me tell you what happens. Ultimately, we all stand before God. And ultimately, he will say this. Did you believe in my son coming to earth, dying on the cross, taking your sins upon him so I could put my wrath, my punishment against those sins on my son or do you want to stand there in your own righteousness, in your own I'm a good person? That's a scary place to go unless you know Jesus. One more, stick the Colossians passage up and then I'll begin my sermon. This is just a warm-up. This is the core of the gospel. I'm, I'm going to call it the core of the gospel. For, in, it, for in, him, in him all things were created. That's Jesus. For in Jesus all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. When we did this a couple of weeks ago, I pointed out everything is everything. That means even when he went on the cross, the very cross that he was crucified on, he was holding together at the same time he was crucified. The very nails that were driven through his, his wrists as he was nailed there, he's holding those nails together. The very spit that the Romans spat in his face, he was holding the spit together as it flew through the air. This is how much God loves you. He doesn't do this lightly. He does it because it is the only way. He is before all things, and in him, Jesus, all things hold together. All things. Move it on, Graham. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn, not chronological, 
as in status firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Do you know Jesus is supreme? This letter is written to a church being attacked by heresy in its very infant form. And the first thing Paul is doing is saying, don't listen to this rubbish. Jesus is supreme. Can you say that in, in, inside of you today? Do you know that Jesus is supreme? The preeminent one, if you like. Above all things, the, the most important. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the big, from the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything, he must be first in everything. For God was pleased to have all the fullness, his fullness dwell in him. I talked about that, about if you get the Jehovah's Witnesses knocking on your door, that's the passage to turn to. Not part of God dwelling in him, Jesus his God. Right, let's, you need to hold that passage in your head. We will be returning to it during the sermon. Next one. The main text now. This is where we picked up from last week. Once you were alienated from God, separate from God. If you are not a believer today, that is your position as I stand here today. The good news is that you can change that position today. You don't have to earn it. Did you earn it, Vicky? You just believed it. Once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. Who feels holy today? None of you. Good girl, look. <laughs> you are. You, do you know what, actually? They're wrong. You are right. There was a time when you weren't holy. <laughs> we don't need the details. We've had enough with this. <laughs> right. What does holy mean? Let's, let's clarify what the meaning is. Set aside. Set aside. That'll do nicely. To present you set aside in his sight. You don't have to be... Well, we'll get to that. It's all right. Do you feel without blemish? You know, sometimes I look at these passages and I think, and they've got a great sense of humour. You are without blemish and free from accusation. All that past, all that stuff that we want rid of, is rid of. Please do not drag your baggage around with you. Leave it at the cross. Do you know, it, it mystifies me how Christians do this. They have a load of baggage when they come to Jesus. They come to him, and then when they leave in that cross, they pick the baggage up again. And they go away from the foot of the cross. Loaded down again. Hear what I'm saying. Hear what the word of God is saying. He sees you without blemish. He will never have an accusation against you. Other people will remind you of your past. Tell them to get lost. 
quote this passage I'm free without accusation I'm I'm a Christian Jesus loves me he died for me while I was still his enemy moving on alright this is the conditional clause if you continue in your faith the wording in the original language is if and you will if you're really a believer if you are truly a believer you will continue in your faith it doesn't matter what happens in your life and you will n- I've got some bad news for you Vicky I probably haven't told you this you will still have problems are you still having problems? <laughs> but you're still here As you pick, as you, as you, you mean as you go through life? Yeah, I would, I would say that's not a bad description, which is one of the reasons why he asked us to do communion. That actually we remember in the death and resurrection of Christ. So yeah, I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is actually, do you know our past? Sometimes we used to be like this and we, we go and we ask for forgiveness and then when we've got the forgiveness we'll just nip out and drag that with us again. Don't, we don't need to do that. We're not perfect. No one is, you're not going to get a reference from me saying you're perfect, either of you. Hmm. If and you will, if you are a believer, continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Gospel is good news. Please don't make it bad news. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. A servant of the gospel. That's you and I as well, by the way. This thing within you, you need to tell other people. If I had a cure for cancer, just think about what I'm going to say. If I had a cure for cancer and I kept it to myself, that'd be pretty mean, wouldn't it? But what you hold in your heart, the truth, please share it. What people do with what you share is their choice. But actually, don't hold it. It's not an exclusive club. It's an inclusive club. Oh, now I rejoice. We should be people who rejoice. Do you feel like rejoicing? Can you tell some of your faces to rejoice? Mel, do you feel like rejoicing? I'm going to blow you away. With, I'm, going to, I'm going to pause on a particular passage. And if that doesn't make you rejoice, I'll do your funeral next week. How's that? that cheap as well. I'll do it cheap. <laughs> now I rejoice. Come on. Rejoice. Party time. In what I am suffering for you. Oh, fancy putting rejoice and suffering in the same passage. Suffering? Hmm, he does elsewhere. Hmm. Does anyone else rejoice in suffering? Has anyone said to you guys, ladies, that actually come to Jesus and life will just be a smooth ride? Just keep praying, it's always a smooth ride? No. No. He's going to speak about something. You see, he's in prison. You've got to understand who this guy is. He's in prison for preaching the gospel. He's in Rome. He probably believes he's going to be executed for being a believer. 
But if you look back in time, if you look back maybe 20, 25 years before he writes this letter, maybe 20 years before he writes the letter, when Paul became a believer, he was a right... Well, what, how would we describe Paul? He was a high flyer in Judaism. He thought that actually keeping the law, all the details in the Old Testament, was the way to have a relationship with God. And Paul's main problem was this. He thought he kept the law. He actually thought he was doing what God asked him to do. This is a guy who previously went around killing Christians. You think, you've got a past. He's one that actually went to people's homes, arrested them, had them thrown in prison. The same guy who actually stood while they stoned Stephen, the first martyr in the church. And now he's writing from prison, saying that he's rejoicing in his suffering. You might say, he's born again, born from above. A change, the new has come, the old has gone. 2,000 years ago, still happening today. He must have been a scary guy to have in your congregation. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus. A massive encounter. You can meet Jesus today, wherever you're sat. And the change will still be as dramatic. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. The Catholic Church has taken this passage and abused it. Because the word afflictions is never used regarding Christ's death on the cross for remission of sins. They take this passage and get you to pray for the dead as though they're going through purgatory. They have to twist all sorts of other things. But this is about... This is about Paul in prison knowing this, that at any moment Jesus could rescue him. But actually, sometimes, no matter how difficult life is, you are exactly where Jesus needs you. I've known suffering in my life. I remember when my marriage failed and I had a mental image of my wife and this guy and I wanted the image out of my head. And I remember going against a wall on my knees, smashing my head against the wall. Fortunately, it wasn't concrete, it was wood. But, oh, it still hurt. And all my prayers, all my fasting, all my pleading never changed anything to do with the outside circumstances. Let me tell you something, though. It changed in here somewhere. Could Jesus have changed it? Absolutely. But did he use it? Absolutely. Does he still love my ex-wife? Absolutely. She was a believer. Still is. Now then, for the sake of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant. Do you remember he was a servant of the gospel? Now he's saying he's a servant of the church. 
Church is very special. It's funny what Matt said, isn't it? That actually people think they can't come. We're all desperate for people to come to church. We have the best news possible. And we are really rubbish at communicating it. We should be throwing the doors open and people should be queuing to get in. Why don't they? Why don't they? If we're servants of the church, a servant in that context is someone who looks after something while the master is away. Who's the master of the church? Jesus. And he's handled his most precious possession to us. And so there you go, manage it in my absence. How are you managing church? Or are you trying to change church? (laughs) I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. That's why I go through the books of the Bible. I can pick topics up if you like but actually this tells me we need to go through we need to look at all the texts the easy ones the difficult ones it's why i nag you all the time to read your bible how do you know i'm telling you the truth yes but if it's the word of god it can present be presented a number of ways can't it Yeah, okay. You need to study the Word of God and know that when anybody comes up the front with a microphone that actually what he's telling you is the truth. And the only way you'll do that is by knowing it yourself anyway. In its fullness. Okay, we'll move on. The mystery. What's a mystery? Who said that? Good, isn't she? You know, for a druggie, I mean. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, no, sorry. We'll edit that. We'll, we'll <laughs> We're mates. <laughs> a, a mystery. Listen. <laughs> All right, come, come back to me. Come back to me. Go on. You see, look, this is good news, Catherine, so chill. Something that was previously hidden, something that was previously hidden, then revealed. That's a mystery in the Bible. The mystery is this, and he's going to get to it. All the way through the Old Testament, right? All the way through the Old Testament is the story of God calling people. First of all, it starts with Adam and Eve. That goes wrong. Is that God's fault? No. Did it catch him by surprise? No. He begins to bring them back to himself by calling Abraham. He then creates from one person a new nation, Israel. The Israelites go into Egypt. They become entrapped in there for 400 years. He then takes them out of Egypt as a nation tells them what they should do and they fail to do it. That's the story of the Old Testament. How can they have a relationship with God? They have a temple 
It starts with a tent, but then it ends as a temple. And that the temple is the dwelling place of God, where God comes to dwell. If the Jews had got that right, the rest of the world would have looked at the nation of Israel and said, we want to know about your God. Have you got that in your head? That's an overview of the Old Testament. Paul knows all that. But on the road to Damascus, he discovers something absolutely wonderful. That system was flawed because it's down to us to do that. Not flawed as, as in God proposed a system that man couldn't do. The system will always be flawed because man is always sinful. Look what he reveals. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. You know a secret. Some of you shine that secret. To them... That's the Lord's people. God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles. See, it wasn't just the Jews, it was the non-Jews. The glorious riches of this mystery, this secret, which is... I want everyone in the room to say these words. Christ in you. I'm watching your lips. Say it again. Yeah. That should blow your socks off. Instead of an Old Testament picture of God, where you go to worship God at a temple, where God's presence dwells, Jesus lives inside of you. Just think about what I'm saying. Jesus lives inside of you. You know, if I get on a bus, Jesus gets on the bus. Now, if you're a non-believer, you think I've lost the plot. And I sympathise with you entirely. If you are a believer, you know it's the truth. You see, when you've got addictions, when you've got difficulties, when you've got struggles, if it was just down to you to overcome those things, some of us would succeed, some of us would fail. If it was a matter of willpower. But when I say to you, whatever you're struggling with, whatever is causing the main struggles in your life, if you are a believer and Christ lives in you, you don't do it in your own strength. You do it in his. The secret for the Christian is to learn to draw from him, not from you. Do you know I was a believer for about 10 years? What I've just given you there is absolute dynamite. I was a Christian about 10 years before anyone ever, ever, ever told me this. It's, it's better than that. right? This morning as a believer when you woke up and you're in bed, the very first thing that I want you to do, to learn to do, is open your eyes and acknowledge God. This is the same person who I showed you from the Bible is supreme in every situation. Mm. Tough crowd today. Some of you are not smiling at me. You 
look, let me put it blunt. Even if people don't believe it, this is the truth. This is what brings the change in a person. Not a book. I love the book. I read the book. I don't worship the book. But the fact that God loves me so much that actually he lives within me. Now, I know that can get you locked up in certain parts of the, you know. But it's still the truth. It is the word of God. Christ in you. It'll come down to the fact whether you believe the word of God or or not. You don't need to be a Bible expositor to exposit that, to exegete it. It just says this, God lives in you. Isn't that scary? Do you feel scared or do you just think, oh, that's nice? I don't know. (laughs) It doesn't worry you. Right, okay, Well, like I'm a bit like <laughs> I, I've got to go with Bev. You know, there's just sometimes you think, oh, really? But yes, absolutely. Christ in you. Bear in mind what is what this guy's doing. This is a this is someone who's been involved in persecution. The church. He's now in prison. He know, and he's had a rough ride. You know, he's been shipwrecked, beaten, flogged, stoned. All these things have happened in his life, and yet. He can write to a church that he has never been to and say, do you know what, guys? All this nonsense that people are trying to get you to believe, hear this, him who made everything, who holds everything together, lives in you. Now, they'll either lock us up and put us in the funny farm, right? but that won't change that either. Or you'll do what Vicky did recently and say, I got it. I absolutely believe it. It's just a decision. It really is just a decision. That was the mystery. The mystery that the Old Testament indicated, just gave little gems all the way through, that actually there's a temple where God comes and dwells, where people who want to meet with God will go and worship God. The temple was destroyed. It didn't work. But then you become the temple. That changes everything. I'm not even going to go on it any further because I'm going to pick up on it again next week. Because I can tell by your faces that you need to hear it again. And again. And again. I'll have a little bit of fun with you now just before I close what does that change and I've used the word everything so you can't use that one what does it change in your life to have God living within you oh hang on Matt Matt said first priorities what do you mean Matt fantastic (laughs) I should it will reorder your priorities fantastic Excellent. Paul, what did you say, mate? The way you think. Expound a bit. Oh, no, I can give her a hard time, but you just lay off my mate here, mate. (laughs) Yes, fantastic. 
Christ lives in me. I may as well, I may, may as well that's the wrong word. Christ lives in me. Uh, you know what? He, he wants the best for me. He will, if I ask him, give me a love for his word. Have you ever asked him? For those of you who don't, who don't particularly like reading, who don't particularly um, enjoy spending time in the word of God, he wants you to know about him. And you're going to know about him by his word. So yeah, I encourage you every day, ask him, ask him, ask him. It'll work. What else might it change? Fantastic, June. Yes. Why would I be materialistic when I've got everything? Yep, yep, yep. Well, that, you're back to Matt's thing, aren't you? We, we, we change our priorities. Or, as Matt said, we should change our priorities. <laughs> Catherine? Wow. Chose life instead of death. All right, let me let me close with this. I'm nearly finished. Christ in you, 24-7. My challenge for the week ahead, every morning, in fact, my challenge for the rest of your life, let's, be, let's give you a decent challenge. Every morning you wake up, why don't you remember that? Why don't we just take time out before we hit the shower or at work or whatever, just take time out and say, do you know what? Today, Jesus lives inside of me. If you, if you will do that, it will change your life. You are alive today, June, because he wants you alive today, Chuck. And as we've seen, a servant of the gospel and a servant of his church. There's your job ministry. Interesting. All right, we'll close.